Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi everyone, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. We welcome the amazing Tom Caffarella. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Tom. So a little bit about Tom. Tom Caffarella always dreamed of following in his grandfather's footsteps, a very successful landlord, to become a successful real estate mogul. Instead, he followed everyone else's advice and took on a traditional nine-to-five job as an accountant. The program, or the problem, his heart was in real estate investing, and it didn't take long for him to get fired from his job due to his daydreaming about his passion. Uh, and instead of staying knocked out, Tom co-founded Ocean City Development, a real estate investment company based out of Boston, Massachusetts. Tom's team has acquired over 500 properties over the last five years to flip, wholesale, and buy and hold. Amazing. Tom is also the co-owner of Cameron Real Estate Group, a real estate brokerage of over 200 agents that focuses on finding investment deals for Tom to buy. Uh, The Boston-based investor uh, is also a father of three, so we're going to have to ask about that and who believes you can (laughs) do what you love and never work a day in your life. He knows many, uh, for many people, that's real estate investing. Well, that's incredible and welcome. Thank you. Good. So uh, this is a great segue from accountant to real estate. Well, how did you get started? What what was your first step in real estate besides, I would say for yourself and not going off maybe what your grandfather was doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to get into real estate after reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I was actually pre-med in college and you know was set to become a doctor because i thought hey that's the profession that makes you know the most amount of money at least that's what i read in the boston public library book and um you know i was driving around delivering pizzas listening to rich dad poor dad and all of the stuff that i heard was kind of things that i'd seen you know my grandfather do i mean he came here from italy he just bought a bunch of rental properties in the greater boston area And he was really the only person that I knew that was financially successful. Um, And so after reading, listening to that audio book while I was driving around delivering pizzas, I realized I've got to get into real estate. But I was young. I was only 20 years old at that time. And I was scared to do it on my own. And I'm not a natural salesperson. And I felt like I needed to be good at sales in order to get into real estate and so I ended up double majoring and I, I got my accounting degree, you know, worked for a big accounting firm out of college, hated it, um, ended up getting fired, felt like I was a failure at the age of 23, said, you know, what am I going to do? I had no bills, no kids, and I thought what I was doing was crazy risky. And <laughs> looking, looking back on it, it was just like, wow, I mean you know, they, they say that entrepreneurs, you know, they have to have, you know, some level of, of risk tolerance. I had a really low level of risk tolerance when I got started. And I, I said to myself at that time, even though it wasn't risky at all, I said, oh, I've got to take the risk now because I don't have bills. I don't have kids. I've got to get my, my stuff together and I've got, to, I've got to try. And so I tried to do it on my own for a little while. And I failed because I really didn't know what to do. And I didn't know the action steps to take. I didn't know if I got a property under contract, if it was a really good deal, or if I did get that property under contract, how I could make money from it. So it wasn't until I actually found a local area mentor that really kind of showed me the ropes that my business took off. And my first deal was a wholesale deal 
um, got the property under contract. This was back um, in 2009, got the property under contract for $300,000 and I ended up wholesaling it for $415,000. And that really launched my investment business. And it was a really lucky deal because I made a really, really low offer and embarrassingly low offer that got accepted. And that really jump-started my real estate investing career. Wow. Well, and how did you find your first mentor? I found my first mentor. Um, so are you familiar with the company Homevestors? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I ended up buying into a Homevestors franchisee, a franchise. And the reason I bought into the, and I'm no longer with them, but I bought into the franchise because you get a local area mentor with it. You get someone uh, called um, an area director, who's basically somebody that's doing it on the ground, that's going to going to help coach you and they get a percentage of the the profits that you do. And it just seemed to me like a total win-win. <clears throat> and the first deal that I did um, when working with this mentor, we got the property under contract and I knew it was a good deal, but I said, I don't know, um, you know, what do I do next? I have no clue. I don't have any money. I just told someone I was going to pay them $300,000 for the house. I have $5,000 in my bank account. How am I going to end up, you know, performing on this? And he said, look, um, if you don't buy this deal because you can't or because you don't want to, I'll buy the deal. But you shouldn't sell it to me because I'm not going to be the highest bidder. So I'm going to show you how to create demand on this particular property. And you're going to make a good amount of money. And our goal for that one was for me to make $50,000 because we felt like it was a great deal. And we just got so much activity because the area is so hot that it just ended up getting bid up. There were over 200 people that came to the investor open house that I had. Wow. And um, that's how I got started, you know, with him. And, you know, without him, I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not going to say I wouldn't have got, gotten to where I am today because I would have probably figured out a way somehow, but it would have been a slower, you know, it would have been a slower grind for sure. So you want to talk, uh, we've actually had a number of people on who have done wholesales. We actually never have talked about when you do get a property under contract about showing a house, especially with 200 people showing up. How, how, how do you keep that simple? Um, first one. So yeah, this was, we really got lucky because this homeowner really loved us. And I think one of the things that people kind of make a mistake on, or they don't understand maybe when they first start spending money on marketing or trying to meet with sellers face to face is that it really is a sales business and getting the trust and getting that homeowner to like you is really the, the most important thing because most sellers who sell to investors aren't motivated number one by money. They're motivated by other things. So we just got her trust. We got, you know, her, her to love us. And, you know, she just said, you know, look, if you can get me $300,000, I'm good. So we said, you know, we'll, we'll bring some, some uh, investors by. Um, we prefer you to not be there because we just don't know what's going to happen. And we, don't, we really don't want you to have to be fielding questions. She was a very shy person and she didn't really want to deal with people anyways. So we just said, hey, look, give us two hours. We'll get a bunch of people through. We'll get you the 300000 And it really couldn't have worked out any better. Um, in some scenarios that can, you know, you could potentially have an issue with that, which is why we don't really do it that way anymore. But in this case, everything went perfect. Like I couldn't have asked for a better first deal. 
What a great first yeah. deal and what a great first mentor. What a story. We, we're huge on mentorship here. And how, like you all, you've already said that mentor, I mean, you probably could have done it yourself. I mean, just talking to you and talk, seeing the way you handled yourself with this client, you probably could have gotten there on your own. But having that mentor definitely took probably a few years off of your, uh, your investment life. Oh, yeah. I, I, I pay multiple coaches right now every single month. I mean, the, the older I get, the more I realize I'm a lot stupider than, than I thought I was. When I was 25, I thought I was smarter than when I'm 35. I'm 35 today. And, you know, every year that passes, I'm like, look, the more I can get myself surrounded with smart people. In real estate, there's so much profit to be made. You know, people will look at, you know, okay, paying someone, you know, $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month or whatever the coaching feelings of being, it's a lot of money. But it's really not. I mean, if you're paying somebody two grand in coaching a month, that's basically twenty five thousand a year. The average profit, you know, in Boston right now for a fix and flip is sixty to eighty thousand. Exactly. So if you can get two or three or four really, really good points, um, really good takeaways that you can implement into your business, real estate is a multi million dollar business. So how how has your business now evolved over the last ten years? Oh my God. It's completely changed. I mean, basically on day one, <clears throat> it went from, you know, spending money on marketing, going out there, spitting out offers, hoping they would get accepted and wholesaling most of our deals to, you know, fix and flipping over a hundred deals a year. You know, we've accumulated over 300 rental properties, but really where my business has changed the most is on the real estate brokerage side. So in the past couple of years, um, I've gone from, I, I own my own real estate brokerage in Boston and I've gone from zero agents. We've got 226 agents as of today. And that's completely changed um, how I've done things. So most investors will prospect for, for sellers. They'll prospect to get face-to-face -face appointments either by spending money or by putting out bandit signs or cold calling or door knocking. And most sellers don't wanna sell to investors. Um, they say that between 5 and 10% of sellers want to sell to an investor. Well, if you're prospecting for a seller and you get a face-to-face -face appointment, that means that 90 to 95% of the time, you're not going to make any money on that particular deal. So what we've done, and I've done this, I did this by accident because I hired a real estate agent to be my acquisitions person, is we figured out, hey, why don't we try to serve that 90 to 95% of the population? We're already out there. We're already meeting with them. If it doesn't make sense for them to sell to an investor, why don't we list their home? And so the model that I have now and why I think it's such a no brainer for every real estate investor is that if I spend $10,000 a month on mailers, I'm going to get back 15 to 20,000 just on listings. So it gives me an unlimited marketing budget and I spend a lot of money on marketing every month and people will say, well, how can you afford to spend that much money? It's because no matter what, whether I get an investment deal that month or not, I'm going to bring in the listing income. So I, I use my real estate brokerage to convert all of my quote unquote dead investment leads that want too much money into listings. But then I also have my agents on what a software called Mojo Dialer. So I'll buy cell phone lists in order for my, my agents who need to prospect to sellers anyways, to call on the homes that I wanna buy with a cash offer in hand. So a lot of the marketing, a lot of the deals that I do don't actually require a marketing budget for me. It just requires my agents to do what they should be doing each and every day anyways, 
which is calling out um, cold to, to areas that for homes I wanna buy. And then they also go through all of my old leads. So somebody might've filled out a form on my website six months ago and hey, you know, uh, they changed their mind, they're not interested in selling. Well, my agents will dial through all those old leads and convert those old leads into money. Because just because somebody decided not to sell six months ago does not mean that they're, they're not going to sell a year from now, which a lot of times they do. So the, the cell phone list that you purchase, uh, how, how do you, I guess, where do you find those and, and how do you choose which list may potentially source a, a buyer looking to sell? So we, first of all, anytime you're prospecting for motivated sellers, they have to have equity. If they don't have equity, and that, that knocks out a huge percentage of the population, if they don't have enough equity to sell to an investor, then why even try to talk to them, right? So we, we make databases for all the areas where we want to buy homes. So we know in the greater Boston area, what areas or what pockets um, of cities are more likely to sell to investors. So we know that super high-end areas Yes, somebody may at some point decide that they want to sell to an investor, but instead of it being five to 10% of the population in those cities, it might be 1%. So we don't really target those areas. We also know that most homeowners don't sell to an investor if they've lived in their home for five years or less. So we want people who have lived in their home for a while. We want people in the cities that make the most sense to, to invest in. We, we want to make sure they have enough equity um, we typically want to make sure that they're not young. So I'm 35 years old. I'm a 35-year-old guy. 35-year-old guys typically don't sell to investors. So what we do is we start with making a, a database on where we believe is the most likely motivated sellers by the cell phone records, and then my agents dial through those cell phone records. So yesterday we had a, a mojo party. Um, we had a, a snowstorm in Boston. We had, um, I think we had 18 inches, 18 to 20 inches that fell. So we, we got all, all of our agents on the dialer and we had a contest, $1,000 to who dials the most amount of hours for the day. And the winner dialed 13 hours, but in total, yeah, crazy. They dialed from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., right? So they basically dialed all the available hours that you could dial. And in total for the office, we had over 100 hours that were, that were booked. For, on average, for every two to three hours that somebody calls, we'll book a face-to-face -face seller appointment. So we probably got somewhere between 30 and 50 seller appointments yesterday. Wow. Which a percentage will convert into investments and a percentage will convert into listings. Okay, so let's start, let's start at the beginning. We're investors. We don't have a brokerage. Mm -hmm. We come to you and we say... Tom, how do we start our own brokerage? Because that sounds like a no-brainer. Where do we start? So I don't think you necessarily need to open your own business. Like you don't necessarily need to open your own brokerage, but you do need to get your real estate license to start. You should get your real estate license anyways. There are so many benefits to having your real estate license, even just taking referral fees, listing your own fix and flip properties, getting access to the MLS. Every real estate investor uh, should be a real estate agent. So you start there. Then the second decision is, do I open my own brokerage, which has pluses and minuses, or do I just join somewhere that will allow me to have a team? And there's pluses and minuses to both of those. And I think people get caught up with, I need to own the brokerage, I need to own the business. You definitely don't. 
Um, there are a lot of brokerages like mine that promote the team aspect where at the end of the day, you might not want the hassles and headaches of owning the business, but you can build a team within the business. So if you are currently spending money on marketing, it's easy to recruit real estate agents to want to work on your team because real estate agents wake up needing face-to-face -face appointments. And if you're an investor and you're already generating face-to-face -face appointments, then you've got exactly what they want. So it's kind of a perfect partnership. One thing I didn't mention, I mean, having 226 agents is a lot of those real estate agents find deals on their own, like even just sphere of influence people that they know. And I don't always get first shot at every single one of those deals, but I get first shot at a lot of those deals. That's great. That makes so much sense. And it's a little bit of work. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's an additional layer, right? You know, it, it takes a little bit of effort, but it's once you get it up and running, it's one of the better things that you can do in your investment business. Well, that's one of the first things we did. As soon as we decided to go into real estate, Jason was like, well, why don't you get your real estate license? And I got my real estate license and it sort of organically grew exactly the way you said, except I'm a Keller Williams agent. And I never which is, thought- Which is the perfect company to yeah. be at if you want to build a team. I mean, exactly. Keller Williams promotes all the team stuff. Exactly. So I just have, I just have other agents look for deals. They know I exist, but actually I never thought of actually building out the team to serve my purpose and serving them as well. Because anything that I can't buy, of course they can list. That's it's, amazing. it's serving them almost more like yes. you're, you're really, you know, a lot of real estate agents struggle to get face-to-face -face appointments. And that's not a problem as a real estate investor, if you have a marketing budget. So, but just the ability to have a real estate agent on your team, instead of calling an expired listing and saying, hey, these are the top five reasons that your home didn't sell and the person has gotten 10 calls from real estate agents, instead of saying that, they can say, hey, look, um, I know your home didn't sell. I've got a cash offer sitting. Would you be willing to meet me? Why wouldn't they? I mean, just the ability to give an agent on your team, the ability to give a cash offer rather than trying to pitch them on a listing is you're going to get in the door a lot easier. That's a lot of power for a real estate agent. So what's a part of your business that you're working on growing right now? What I'm working on right now is creating local area experts. So um, we just opened um, a second, well, actually, we technically have four offices, but we opened a, a, a more substantial office in a little bit of a tertiary market, probably about 30 minutes from where we're located. And what we're really focused on now is getting local area experts to serve those people. So the way I've always done it is I've generated leads, you know, within a 40 mile radius of greater Boston. And I've had agents from all over the place taking those leads, like not really a geographical type thing. Like you could live 40 miles south of the appointment, but you're taking the appointment. So what we want to do now is kind of create, like niche areas where people are, you know, offices where people live in that area, they know the area like the back of their hand and they can take those appointments and they can convert them better. Because if you're already a successful agent in an area and you get a listing appointment, most likely you're going to close it one way or the other. If you're coming from a different area that you don't know the streets, you didn't grow up in the area, the conversion ratios are going to be a little bit lower we spend a lot of money on marketing. So if we can just get our conversion ratio up a little bit, it'll mean, it'll mean a lot of money. And we know we can do that by creating local area experts. 
So let's talk a little bit about hiring, just that you've grown your team out to such a large extent. Now you're looking to hire satellite offices. What is something you look for? Let's maybe if people are just starting building, building their team, what would be a key hire and what would you look for in that hire? Staff or agents? Uh, let's say staff. Let's say you're building out your real estate team <clears throat> and or either which one. I mean, we'll go both scenarios. What do you so, think is most important? So if you have leads already, I think the most important thing is to have an inside sales agent. Because what I found, at least in the beginning stages, is I would spend money on marketing. I would be the one working the leads, but I'm wearing a lot of different hats and I wouldn't work the leads as much as I should. So I don't know what the average profit is for a flip in your area. I doubt it's much different than ours, right? It's, it's big money. So if you're the one that's working the leads and you're also the one meeting with people and you're also the one managing a rehab, you're dropping the ball on the leads, 100%. So an inside sales agent isn't a very expensive thing. The other thing the inside sales agent can do other than working your new leads is they can go back through your old leads, which I promise real estate investors are not doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Real estate investors, typically they work a lead, they the person tells them they're not selling in six months. Well, guess what? They'll never follow back up because they don't have somebody that's just sitting at a desk working the leads. So that would be probably my first key hire if you have leads. If you don't have leads, um, my first key hire would be just an admin person to kind of leverage out your day. So most people, most real estate investors, if you were to do a timesheet of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, are doing a lot of $20 an hour tasks. So if you're doing $20 an hour tasks, as a real estate investor, you are not max maximizing and leveraging out your own time. So I would consider hiring just somebody that can do emails, can respond to basic, you know, the mundane stuff that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's great. How does your team look today? Not talking about your, your real estate brokerage team, but doing 100 flips wholesales. What does your team look like from that perspective? So I've, I've kind of got an interesting situation. I have two partners that manage all of the construction. So I'm really lucky. I'm an accountant by trade. You know, theoretically, I'm a white collar person. I don't know how to do anything on the fix and flip side. And so they manage all of our crews. So we've got, you know, depending on how many projects we've got, we've got six or seven or eight crews that are kind of running. So I've never had, I never have to go in houses. So my real estate agents will go and meet with the sellers face to face. They'll get the property under contract and then my partners will come in and they'll manage the crews from start to finish. Um, if we, we don't wholesale a lot anymore because we have the capital to do the projects and we typically just make so much more by actually completing them. But if we do wholesale something, I have a third party, like a friend of mine who's also an investor who will actually wholesale the deal for me and we'll, we'll split profits that way. And we only do that if it's a deal that's far away or, you know, we're tied up with our crews and stuff like that. Um, we've got a lot of staff though. I mean, we've got, you know, a full-time accountant. We've got um, a full-time person who basically gets our properties from like, oh, like 90% completion, like the punch list type things to close. Um, I've got two full-time assistants. My partner has a full-time assistant. Um, who else do we have? And then a lot of staff on the, on the brokerage side. That's great. In terms of doing so many flips across the board, do you try to just stay with, within one lane, focus on one specific type of house and just 
bread and butter all the way through? So we, we will go pretty far. So we'll go about an hour from where I'm geographically located. What we like to do is when we go into a market, we like to be in the lower price band of that market. And we like to be in lower price band markets, period. So we do like to do like cookie cutter type starter homes, properties that are between 1,000 and 1,700 square feet, you know, three bed, two bath kind of thing. Um, and if, if the average price point in that market is 350,000, we want to get a fully renovated property on the market for say 325. And that way the demand is super high and we typically get more, slightly more than the property's worth and people are beating down our doors. Um, we'll do some new construction here or there, but it's not something that we really like to do. We really don't like to do high-end homes. I've been burnt many times trying to do and more expensive type properties. Um, so we don't do that anymore. We've been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've have, been you, there. have you done that? Yep. Yep. Uh, we still have a we still got little one, bit of a yeah, to one, one large one on our docket that we've been stuck in a variance that uh, has been out of our control. Again, about 15th person on the board meeting for about four months. So that's uh, yeah, it's just when you end up looking at it, it's like you feel stupid that you, you do that project when you've probably made so much money on the simple ones. Yep. And exactly. it they just don't even show up at where this one, you know, you're, you're biting all the uh, governmental entities that be that are basically out of your control. Yep. We know, we know. And uh, it's good lesson learned and good for the listeners too. Well, since we're talking about challenges right now, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you've faced in real estate? The biggest challenge. Hmm. And how did you rebound? The biggest challenge I'm trying to think about this. I think in the beginning, it's just tough because you don't really have the money to do a lot of different things. And, you know, you're killing yourself and you're wearing a lot of different hats. And <clears throat> I don't know that it's something that I ever had to rebound from because I'm a hard worker, but I will say the beginning stages, I think of building any business are always the hardest. And it's, I never once thought I'm going to give up, but I always worried about maybe having to go back to my nine to five job. And I think you go through that for a, a long time in the beginning. And then one day, you know, I can remember almost when it was just like, wow, I'm never, I'm never going to have to work a nine to five job again. Like we're so far ahead, even if all the worst case scenarios played out, we'd still be in a good position with our rental property portfolio and the brokerage and the fix and flip side, like, you know, but it did take in the beginning, it was definitely a challenge to mentally you know, get yourself in that mode, like, oh my God, I don't know when my next deal is going to close. And, you know, you have to be tough. I mean, there's a reason why everybody doesn't do it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh. So you have, it sounds like you have a lot of partners. You have a lot of agents that work for you and with you, you have two partners on the construction side, you have a partner on the wholesale side. So what do you look for in a good partnership um skills that i don't have so you know on the on the fixing and flipping side i have two partners that are really skilled on the construction um again i think going back 10 years you know i thought i could do everything um and what i'm realizing now is i'm i'm really really good at a certain you know limited skills and um now now i'm just like i don't i don't try to do things i'm not good at anymore because Number one, if you try to do things that you hate, 
it's you're always going to be fighting a battle against yourself like to do it but then you're not going to do it well so what i look for in a partner is somebody that compliments me so the person uh my my two partners who managed the construction side were really good at that and then the, the partner on the wholesale side he used to wholesale me deals all the time and so i knew he had a really good network and the one thing i don't like doing is i don't like going back and forth with people a million times and wholesaling is kind of like that you know you reach out to a bunch of people some people are kicking tires and then you're negotiating over not huge amounts of money and so i don't have the patience for that and i knew he was good at it because i've actually seen him do it and i said look i've got all these deals that a lot of times i would pass on them because i just didn't want to go through the hassle so let's just work out a deal where you know we we can both make money i think at the end of the day looking for people that have skills that you don't have and just creating a win-win scenario, right? I think a lot of times when people go into partnerships, they look at it like, well, how can I benefit? But you really have to look, look at it from both perspectives because if you, if you don't, it's never going to work. That's great. Nice. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in five years with your businesses? You know, the fixing and flipping business is on autopilot. So my biggest thing right now is focusing on the brokerage and will be national. So I've got, I've got a coaching program that I run on how to teach investors how to be real estate brokerage owners or team leaders. And so we have people that fly into our office each and every week. Like we have somebody here from Florida right now that they'll go behind the scenes. They'll check out what we do. We'll give them all of our systems and all that good stuff. And that's kind of step one for me to build my brokerage nationally is to give people the systems and the coaching Step two is going to be once we feel like we've got that platform solid enough to actually expand. So a lot of the people that will come into the coaching program that will fly out here, they will say that they want to be a Cameron real estate office. And we're just waiting to pull the trigger on that. And one thing I won't do is I won't do it before I'm ready because I've made that mistake. That's another mistake in the early days of my career. You know, I jump, take five steps before I was ready to take one. Now I'm like, before I take a step, I'm like calculating whether or not I can even take that step. So once we're ready, within five years, we will be national for sure. I could sell them now. Like I could sell the, the brokerages today, but I don't, I want to make people successful. So what I'm doing now is just selling the coaching, which will then lead into selling the brokerages. That's great. Let's, let's reverse engineer that a little bit because you, you had that mindset where you would just take action and then figure out what you didn't know. But a lot of investors get stuck at that point is they'll never start because there's all, they're always worried that they don't know enough. What can they do to get past oh, that? It's, so, it's, it's a tough balance because typically I see people falling into one or two categories. You've either got the person that's like, they're not ready to take the step and then they take a step and they fail. And then on the, on the flip side of that, you've got people that are ready to take the step and they need someone to push them from behind to take it. I really think in the beginning, you really need a coach, like period, because I think you need someone that, that knows the ropes. And I think like my biggest problem in the beginning was I was ready to take that step, but I didn't think I was, or I was second guessing myself. So I needed someone to be like, you know, kind of slap me and say, look, you, you are ready. Like you can do this. This is a no brainer. Like you don't want this deal. I'll buy it. Um, so I think, I think you need someone with experience. And I think that's why real estate investing is kind of tough for most people because you work a full-time job. Like when I was an accountant, I knew exactly what I needed to do to get promoted. But 
as a, a new real estate investor, you don't necessarily know what you need to do to take that first step. So I think you need to find someone who can really give you guidance on that. And there's so many good coaches out there. That's the thing. It's not, they're not hard to find. So you just have to find somebody that you feel like is a good fit for your personality. And I think you just need to look at the investment and whatever it costs you is just, you know, it's just, it really is a no brainer when you actually run the numbers on it, because without that coach, you never, you may never take that first step or you might take a step when you're not ready. And you know, that's even worse. That's great. I mean, with, with coaching and mentorship, the return on investment on any of those things, and we've seen it in our lives as well, it's like almost infinite. Oh my God. Well, when I talk about building the brokerage going from zero to 226 people, I didn't do that by myself. I found someone who did the same thing, not on the investment side, but they did it on the real estate side. And I reached out, I, I reached out to him and I said, give me some tips. And he said, well, I, I've you know, I can't really spend all this time with you because I kept asking him questions. And he said, look, why don't we work out something? You know, we'll, we'll set up a monthly retainer and I'll, I'll coach you. And yeah, all the stuff I'm doing, like we just had that, that mojo party yesterday. I mean, that's based on stuff that he's doing and he's not the only person I go to. I mean, I go to multiple people. I'm in a lot of different mastermind groups. Um, I talk to everybody because even if somebody is doing a lot less deals than you, I guarantee they have one system or one piece of software or one idea that you can learn from. That's that. awesome. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show, and I hear this a lot from people that come to our meetup and people that we talk to that we don't know enough, yada, yada, yada. But the thing is, no matter what stage you are in your real estate investing career, you're never going to know, uh, quote, enough, because there's always something else that you could learn. I mean, it oh. sounds, Tom, it sounds like you are on the top of your game, but yet you like, you still talk to people, you still have your mentorship. And this, this is really for the, our listeners out there. Go get a mentor, go get a teacher, find somebody that you mesh with that can answer your questions. Find an accountability partner. Yes. Find, yeah. And you, I mean. And get a, get a new group of friends. That's, <laughs> yes. I'm serious. That's, that's one problem that, that I had. And I think a lot of people have too. Like when you, when you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to own your own business, you want, want to own your own business or be a real estate investor every person that you're probably already friends with is going to tell you that it's risky or that you can't do it or that you should just stick to your nine to five job. So you've got to get out of that. And a mentor will help with that, but also plugging into different mastermind groups. I mean, there's so many groups on Facebook that you could go on to now get around like-minded people, because if you're, if you're thinking you're going to start a business and you think that your you know, friends that you grew up with are going to understand it. They're not. Um, they're they're going to be thinking exactly the opposite of you. And that's going to hurt you too. Do you have a, a morning routine or something to start your day? And, and if so, what is it? No morning routine. Um, I will go to the gym three days a week. Um, first thing at seven o'clock in the morning. It's not a, It's not something that gets my day started right type of thing. It's more like, I know I need to go that early in the morning or else my day gets away from me. But other than that, I don't, I mean, I'm not somebody that personally needs a lot of like motivation. I'm super motivated from the second I wake up until the second I go to sleep. But um, I do know that a lot of people do need that. And if you do need that, you do need to kind of get your head right in the morning. Um, you got to do it. The one thing I, tr I do try to do, I don't know if you ever heard the book, eat that frog. Um, by Brian Tracy, but basically he says, you've got to get your, you've got to do the hardest thing in your day first, 
So I do try to do that as a habit, like the, the call that I don't want to make, the task that I don't want to do, the most important item, you get it out of your way first, and then the rest of your day becomes a lot simpler. That's a keynote. Yeah. That's a very keynote. That's what a lot of people have a hard time with. And that's what a lot of investors tell us that they do. They take care of that one thing, that hard thing in the day that they don't want to necessarily do, or they know that that's the one thing that will get them there. So the uh, Mojo Dialer is a key resource for your business. Is there another tech trick or app that's vital to your business? My CRM. My follow-up boss, and you don't need to use follow-up boss. You can use any CRM that you want. But um, man, I lost so many good deals because I wasn't following up with them because I didn't have any system in place. And I'm not an organization person. Like if you do a disk profile, um, my C is like the lowest. So you need to get organized for sure. And if if you're spending money on leagues, you need to know who you're going to call, when you're going to call them and all that good stuff. And then it has all the automations in the background too. Like it'll send out text messages and it'll send out emails and it'll send out reminders and things like that. So you need a CRM, which one you use is just personal preference. They all do a lot of the same things. Fantastic. So what is your big why? (sighs) You know, I grew up poor. And when you grow up poor, you don't, you don't want to be poor anymore. And so I still wake up thinking I'm going to go back to that. And so it's not really money per se, because, you know, whatever money's money. I don't really care about money. It's that, you know, I don't want to go back to like having to worry about things that are just kind of when you're a little kid, you know, you really shouldn't necessarily be worrying about. So I want to make sure that, that I do that and leaving a legacy. So I've kind of gotten past that point. Like, you know, my first motivation, my second thing now is, is really to, to build a legacy. So the brokerage part of that is a huge part because we're really changing people's lives, especially investors. We're, we're helping investors who are kind of, you know, plodding along, create that system that allows them to spend an unlimited marketing budget because of the listing side. And it's kind of unique. Nobody else is doing it. So I feel like it's my baby. So I, I feel like that's going to end up being my legacy. You know, five years from now, we're going to be able to compete with some of the big places. We're already beating them locally, but I'm talking on a national level. That's great. Well, no one's definitely do it on, doing it on the scale that you are. Yeah. I've heard of other investors that leverage agents, but not at this scale. It's amazing what you're doing. Do you have and, a, a team motto or words you live by? Mm, team motto, where's that? You know, I, I really don't. I mean, if I had to say a motto, it'd be hard work because I don't think, I don't think there's anything else. Like I think today, one of the problems that people have is like, they'll read the four hour work week or books like that. And they get the wrong impression of what it takes to build the business. I've never met anybody who has built a significant business that isn't a workaholic or close to it. So I think, you know, you, you've got to work hard and if you work hard, you can overcome a lot of obstacles. Awesome. Well, Tom, this has been absolutely amazing. Is there a best way for some of the listeners to connect with you? Definitely. So the best way to get with me, whether or not you want to learn about growing, you know, a brokerage or a team or anything like that is to sign up for my webinar at www.buildateamthatbringsyoudeals.com. Again, that's www.buildateamthatbringsyoudeals.com. So when you put your email address in, you're going to get the webinar, but 
if you're not interested in the webinar, that's okay because what it's gonna do, it's gonna give you my email and you're gonna be on my email list. So once you're on my email list, you're gonna get emails from me personally and you can just reply to them and whatever questions you have or anything that you need help with. Real estate's my passion. I'm a workaholic, but I don't ever feel like I'm working because I love what I do. Awesome. I love Good. that. I love that little caveat on the end. You do preach working hard, but it's not hard work if you love it, right? Well, my best friend right now is in Hawaii. And I know you said you're, you're from Hawaii. Uh -huh. And I said this to somebody the other day, my, my best friend, he, he got stock options. He's, he sold out of his company. He made a ton of money. He does. He won't ever have to work again. And he's in Hawaii. And I said to one of our other friends, who's kind of a little bit jealous of him. I said, you know, it's funny because if I, I was in Hawaii right now, I'd be working on real estate and that's what I'd want to be doing. And don't get me wrong. I'd rather be in Hawaii right now, specifically with the weather that we're having, but like, I don't want to be on vacation. I don't want to be traveling every single week. I like what I do. Um, so, you know, to me, even if I hit the lottery tomorrow, I'd still be doing all the same things each and every day. I get that. I get that. Every time we go back to Hawaii, we're, yeah. we're still working. Tom, that was oh, such yeah. a great point right there. So thank you for but that. But the cool thing about real estate investing, though, is you can be in Hawaii uh -huh. and work on your New Jersey real estate. So uh -huh. it's, it's a win-win. I mean, you know, you can get all your work done from anywhere in the world. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show, Tom. It's been a huge pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Well, all right, guys. This is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason Peely. Thank you again to Tom and thank you to you all for listening. We are so grateful. You all have a good day. Bye now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.